This is the first time Chirp Radio's live storytelling and music series recorded at Martyrs in Chicago's North Center neighborhood. Here's your host, Jen Sodini. Our first reader, Carly Oishi. She is a storyteller, comedian. She runs a show called Misspoken. Um, it is at Gallery Cabaret every last Wednesday of the month. Great pleasure I introduce. Let's give it up. Round of applause. Get it started. Carly Oishi. Thanks. I went to Japan for the first time in my life in 2009. I was finally going to the motherland, free to exist in an entire country whose citizens would not constantly ask where I was from, who I was, what I was. I hoped to find the real me, the version of myself that everyone always put upon me and that with their incessant questions and misplaced expectations. It's kind of like if your grandparents were from Mars and everyone was always asking you if you spoke Martian and assumed you were good at Martian things and basically never let you forget that you look like you are from Mars, so obviously you are an expert at all things Mars. (laughs) And then you go to Mars as an adult, and as you figured, going to Mars was not only a totally different planet, but felt like a totally different planet. And while you certainly looked like you belonged there, but only in the face and not so much in the body or the hair or the choice of footwear, you felt... (laughs) equally alien. Or maybe I could have just used Germany as an example and you still would have gotten it. Anyway, yeah, I was the first in my immediate family to go, which, yes, means I went before my parents who were born and raised in Chicago. Perhaps you know a thing or two about Japan, like how they are very homogenous or very polite, but not very apologetic about how they treated Korean people during the war. (laughs) Those things are all true. Everyone is always bowing and offering to heat your food up in a microwave at the 7-Eleven and giving you gifts, even though it's not your birthday. You'd probably feel somewhat bad if you were a non-Asian person unable to speak Japanese. Now take that shame and embarrassment and multiply it by a thousand. I made my white boyfriend do all of the talking and hid behind him like a deaf mute in order to absolve myself of the constant guilt I felt at not being able to communicate with my people. Every time I told some unsuspecting waitress or hotel employee that I didn't speak Japanese, their eyes would widen, as wide as an Asian person's eyes go, (laughs) and the panic would wash over their faces as they thought of other ways to tell me something. Most would wildly pantomime things like driving a pretend car when they were asking if I needed to valet, because they would rather play a game of charades than try their hand at speaking in perfect English, and I honestly didn't blame them. Japan is overwhelming in its cleanliness and courteousness. There were no public trash cans. I kid you not. I made the mistake of drinking a coffee outside of the establishment I brought it from and then walking around for hours carrying a stupid empty cup. You could eat off the subway floor. I don't recall seeing garbage, dust, or even a stain from dog shit because I assume Japanese people hold their hand under their animals' assholes so it won't hit the ground. Japanese-style hotel rooms provide anything from a kettle with tea and snacks to a basement with its own bathhouse. One that I had gone to had vanities that supplied brand new combs, nail polish, and hot towels. Convenient shopping was a dream. If you can't find something in a store, you can definitely find it in a vending machine, and getting a beer from one never got old. My favorite part of Japan were the izakayas. They were these small bars that could hold maybe 15 people tops. 
The bartender would supply drinks and delectable small plates of skewered meats or pickled vegetables. Some would have only one kind of food, like the place that specialized in fried pork. You could stay for hours. There was no reason to head back to your small quarters, which are quite cramped, especially in places like Tokyo. Honestly, though, it turns out that I don't really like Japanese food. What I mean is all of the food that I'd had growing up was fairly bastardized, watered down, and really Americanized post-World War II. And nothing against eggs and hot dogs cooked in soy sauce or maki rolls with cream cheese. But I kept looking for a place with bento boxes filled with shrimp tempura and potstickers and instead was presented with ornately crafted dishes of unknown raw seafood and portions fit for average Japanese ladies, not chubby, hot dog line waiting Chicagoans. <laughs> Every morning I'd wake up and shake my fist at the sky when breakfast consisted of a pastry and small coffee. Though full formal Japanese breakfast was a wondrous kind of expensive meal that consisted of that much coveted bento box with assorted variations of eggs and best of all, salted fish. Maybe a better assessment of my food consumption is to say that I was much more interested in the fast, unhealthy take on things. I wanted curry from the convenience store. I wanted to see if a McDonald's cheeseburger tasted differently. I was thoroughly impressed by ice cream served in a freshly made crepe. I wanted to eat all of the snacks with mysterious ingredients and funny cartoon animals with exclamation points on the packaging. I did not want those mysterious ingredients showing up in a small set of dresser drawers like they did at one particular restaurant we went to with friends, where I'm fairly certain it cost about $150 for two of us. And I really do like eating fancy and different things in real American life. I salivate just thinking about that one meal I had at Girl and the Goat. I try not to consider all of the money I've dropped at various steakhouses in downtown Chicago. I live in the suburbs now, and I miss Thai, Indian, and Ethiopian food on a near daily basis. There was just something sort of blah about eating in Japan. I felt like I was out searching for what I knew instead of being my usual, more adventurous self. Maybe there was some part of me that rejected the notion that I was from there. I'd spent my entire life exhaustingly explaining how an Asian person could in fact be very American. But for the first time, I felt rather proud of that. Or maybe it was hard to realize that Japan was less a part of me than I'd always thought. Even with all of that rice my mom made for dinner, I was still no closer to these people and their culture than I believed, or maybe just hoped. Thank you. I think I'm turning Japanese, I really think so. 
turning Japanese, I think I'm turning Japanese, I really think so. Turning Japanese, I think I'm turning Japanese, I really think so. Turning Japanese, I think I'm turning Japanese, I really think so. I've got your picture I want a million of it all around myself I want the doctor to take a picture So I can look at you from inside as well You got me turning up, I'm turning down I'm turning in, I'm turning around I'm turning Japanese, I think I'm turning Japanese I really think so Turning Japanese, I think I'm turning Japanese I really think so Turning Japanese, I think I'm turning Japanese I really think so no sex, no drugs, no wine, no women, no fun, no sin, no you, no wonder it's dark. Everyone around me is a total stranger. Everyone avoids me like a psycho ranger. Everyone. That's why I'm turning Japanese. I think I'm turning Japanese. I really think so. Turning Japanese, I think I'm turning Japanese, I really think so. Turning Japanese, I think I'm turning Japanese, I really think so. Listening to a Chirp Radio podcast of our live storytelling and music series, The First Time. Our storyteller was Carly Oishi, and the first time four performed Turning Japanese by the Vapors. The first time four is Steve Frisby, Liam Davis, Gerald Dowd, and Scott Stevenson. To hear more first time pieces, check out the series website, firsttime.chirpradio.org, and you can find other podcasts produced by the station at chirpradio.org/podcasts. Chirp Radio, hear what's next.